Viewer discretion is advised. Some of the things that piss me off are, yeah, is that stigma of being from South Auckland, that immediate, oh, you're from South Auckland. You start laughing because you know exactly what that is. <laughs> Mandate. Welcome to Mandate, where we navigate fresh perspectives and nothing's off the table. Tonight's guest house all the way from Manarua, Rua Hard and Tamaki Makoto. He is an exciting young man. For the past seven years, has immersed himself in terms of um, youth and community and also developing um, space, development space. And the man also has a heart for a lot of the young people in our Tupolanga in terms of strengthening them in terms of making decisions or decision making and also has a heart for uh, our young people in terms of, of having a voice and being heard and also being appreciated at, at every level in terms of the, the boardroom and, 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 and so forth and so please put your hands together for this brilliant young man Damien Pilua What an introduction hey <laughs> My man, hey, thank you so much for coming in, Uso. And it seems like because you're, you're still very young, but even at this age, you've done so much. I feel like you've you've accomplished a lot at a, at a very young age. Um, but throughout life's journey, mm. what 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 you just in terms of uh, the council and, and youth work and all that kind of stuff? What was the, what was the defining moment for you as to why you're doing what you, what you're doing? Oh man, that's hard to say. First of all, like thank you for the inviting. You know, it's it's a it's a cool platform to have to be able to sit down and have conversations with people, and I and I cherish the opportunity to do so. But in terms of like a, a defining moment in particular, I don't think there are many, but there is one. I think I was invited to talk at um, one of the old eds in Otaraputoi. I can't remember which one. Um, and one of the girls there was just you know. It's a story we all know a bit too well. Uh, didn't do well in school. School wasn't her first option. Um, but we encouraged them to do something. So oh, it is definitely just one of those options. Um, and in talking in, about what it is that I do and the things that I've done, um, she said, one day I want to grow up and be like you. And I was like, you do know that we're the same age, right? Like it, it was a, a humbling moment to be able to look around in a room of young people and be like, I'm the same age as that person. A few different decisions make us different in terms of where we are, um, but to still have that kind of, I want to be you when I grow up. It's like, dang, maybe this is the right thing, yeah? So yeah, that's that's kind wow. of the, the why, really. Awesome, man, mm. awesome. Man, and you mentioned there's something about um, the decisions, like, you know, being the same age, but sometimes it's just key decisions that put us in, in different places. Absolutely. Um now, there's a lot of influences in terms of what impacts on our decision-making mm -hmm. um, process. Um, are you able to talk a little bit about what some of those influences are? Are they systemic? Is it like sort of social? Um, yeah, or what's sort of your your thoughts on that? Oh, um, it's a lot of things. It's immediately our environment. Um, the things that we surround ourselves with definitely have the biggest influence on who we become as people from as young as... I don't, know, I don't know what the statistic is about how young we are or should be when those influences start to kick, but, you know, our immediate environment has the biggest influence on who we become. And it's why when a lot of people, those proficient public speakers, always have that call back to who they have around them. And it's why Pacific speakers, when they speak, they talk about their villages and um, the people that made them who they are because it's those influences of that immediate environment. Um, that influence our decision making as people. Yeah. yeah. Nice. 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 Also, for those who've been living under a rock like myself, um, <laughs> you're able to explain like um, 
what is it that you have done um, for our young people and, oh, and who you are also? So much. <laughs> uh, so I think there are a couple of notable things. Uh, you might know me as Butterbeans before photo. So um, he's lost <laughs> a lot of weight now, but he's still doing some marketing campaigns. So they usually call me up because I think we're about the same shade. So I'm his before photo. Um, I've done some marketing campaigns for the warehouse. They usually dress me in weird um, and I start as the warehouse. Um, that's been pretty lucrative um, with a few campaigns recently. So yeah, that's um that's probably my modeling career though um in terms of where my professional background is um it's easiest to sum it up as community and youth development uh, and what that looks like is different things in different spaces with different people um so the beginning starts with a youth council in Manirewa so shout out to NYC who may or may not be watching this um all about activating our young people. How do we get them engaged in events? Um, how do we get them engaged in our local um, politics and local decision making, looking at our community and how do we make sure that youth voice is heard and all of those things that happen mm. on our day-to-day -day basis. Um, and then working with Auckland Council on their youth advisory panel. Um, so basically Auckland Council knows that they do a horrible job um, of engaging with different communities from ethnic backgrounds to sexualities um, to Pacific backgrounds. Um, and then for me in particular, for young people, and they have a really hard time in translating all of those big ideas that talk about the year 2050 and all of those plans and policies. And it was my job to look at all of those things and say, that's not going to work for young people. This is going to work for young people. And here's why. Um, and that's kind of the the easiest summary that I can Ooh, I can man. make. Yeah, man, because yeah, you're still a young also. And why is it important for you to be that voice for our young people and and amplify that voice? Because mm. you know, <laughs> there's always these older people and people who think they're yeah. got all these degrees and they mm. um they think they they're the ones making the decisions for our young people and they sort of block their voice but mm. um why is it important for you to amplify the voice yeah i think that's that's the word is to amplify those voices um i don't want to be a voice for someone but to be able to amplify voices for people who aren't being heard is a really powerful thing mm -hmm. um and especially for our young people because the way that we kind of grew up me and the kind of cohort of youth development shakers and movers um, we believed that we're going to be living those decisions that people are making now. So it only makes sense that we have young people in the room at every level. It's unfair to expect young people to only have a voice when it has an immediate impact. Why don't we get them involved at a planning level, at a at an ideation stage, at the brainstorming rooms, in those writers' rooms, in those board levels, you know, where all those decisions start to take shape. Um, why do we only wait until those board plans come out? And then mm. we say, does that work for you? What I'm really passionate about is saying, nah, let's not wait until it comes out. How about we start with young people? How about we get them in the room first? And then with us together, we plan those things and mm. we collaborate from day one. 
instead of day 100 when your board plan is finished <laughs> and then you're just like oh so did it work wow. trash <laughs> <laughs> but I like what you said um, um, Damien in terms of collaboration because you know mm. a lot of people always talk about collaboration oh man let's collaborate yeah. and then, then uh, one party just ends up doing the you know just speaking on behalf of everyone else yeah so you talked about uh, the plans in terms of 2050 mm. how are some of those policies now there have you have you been able to implement changes around those, those policies and you how many of those policies been like man this is trash man oh. this, this is not going to work oh the ones that i can name <laughs> <laughs> you know god bless Auckland Council. you know the heart's in the right place yeah. amen yeah. amen the heart's in the right place um a lot of it is those plans don't have us in mind is the biggest thing us as brown people us as pacifica people us as minorities us as low socioeconomic people us as young people um a lot of those plans don't factor us in at the beginning of those stages um the we've been able uh, in my capacity over the years to feed into making sure that um, some changes are inclusive of those voices and saying that um, you know we've been able to push back and get some processes promised to some degree and um, that they'll do better in the way that they engage people especially for our Maori people as well um, yeah there are so many um, plans and policies to think about but overall we've just been trying to or i've been trying to be a part of the conversation that says we need to change the way that things are happening um and there needs to be a change across the board nice man nice. Mm. and um with that how do you sort of like implement accountability and like avoid box ticking because mm. obviously sometimes people are set to doing things a yep. certain way over time generations even yeah. um so getting them to do things authentically and meaningfully mm. um how do you sort of navigate that um in terms of a tangible action what we've started to push for or i've noticed works well is if you start asking people to come back to you um in terms of if i'm going to give you my feedback and the core heart of my words for something that you want feedback for the least you can do is tell me what you did with that because a lot of people that want to engage with communities that they don't do well in engaging with is they'll take from them where they want insight mm. they'll ask you questions and they'll take all of those answers but where that goes nobody knows so mm. we um well myself and you know others like-minded um have started just to ask okay cool you can have my thoughts come back to me and tell me where that went show it to me in the policy that you wanted feedback for show it to me in the plan that you're putting together show me where my words are going show me that the way that you can make this meaningful and you can hold yourself accountable to what you're promising us is if you show me where these things are going mm. that's cool that's cool i love that mm. cool, what are some of the things that um have really pissed you off when you're <laughs> trying to be that speaker because you know oh. I, that space is not easy when you're trying to advocate for young people all the space is not easy when you consider that you're not around your group of friends you know i'm yeah these words may sound fancy but i'm still just a hood kid from real world. like i'm still just you know i'm hell-bent on hanging out and chilling and kicking back and all that so it's weird taking me out of that environment and putting me in a boardroom where it's me the mayor um, the councillors and other people who have degrees in politics and da, 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 da. Um, but some of the things that piss me off are yeah is that stigma of being from South Auckland that immediate 
Um, oh, you're from South Auckland. <laughs> you start laughing because you know exactly what that is. You start laughing because you yeah. laughing because that traumatic experience is something that we all share. Yeah. Um, and it's that yeah kind of visceral feeling of like yeah I'm from South Auckland and I'll clock you after we leave here but um that's one uh number two is oh there are so many things I could pick it's just the immediate underestimation of people you know um if in the spaces that I've been a part of, the premise is that it's safe for young people to be here, but it's not. Mm. And that um, is attributed to there being a system that exists without us in it. So us being there is a problem um, and me not being so timid in those spaces and being the humble Samoan, you know, I don't mind being opinionated in those spaces. So it's been really... Hard trying to deal with all of those people who are like, "Who's this guy talking up?" And I'm like, "Yeah, cause I do this. Like, I'm it's about cool. that for real." It's cool. Um, and then the biggest thing, and I will take this to the grave with me about how much this annoys me, is the immediate. Oh, Damien can do the prayer. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, 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 David's like, can, you, "Can you do the karakia? Can you do the karakia?" Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the karakia. So that's happened to me more than once. And then the there was one- The token prayer guy. Yeah, the token prayer guy. The, oh, hey, are you just here to give our dance? Oh my days. Oh man, so what do you do? So what do you do, David? Do you uh, do? Damien? No, you can though. <laughs> no, you can though. Yeah, it's, oh, sometimes I'll do it just out of spite and, you know, um, tech nine, the whole prayer into 30 seconds. And amen, louder than everything else that I prayed for. Um, I can't wait till I learn how to speak Samoan fluently so that yeah, my prayer yeah. is pretty yeah, yeah, in yeah. another language. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's annoying. Uh, there was one time though, I think the angriest I've ever been in one of those Auckland Council meetings is I got there early um, and it was just me and another member and one of the staff member from Auckland Council um and i don't know who walked in but they walked in after me and they're like oh are you here with the kitchen staff like the tables oh. and i was like no mm. i'm the chair of this meeting and i just waited it's like no i'm chairing this meeting like what's up quiet didn't ask me a question after that didn't want to say anything in that meeting and i was like yeah cool just remember that the next time you you encounter someone that looks like me but that's a, that's a big deal that's a big deal so the things the work that you're doing and representing our, our young people and especially in, you're talking to mayors and all these other people mm. um, involved in politics and so forth yeah. but I'm just wondering has there been an instance where there's been some pushback when you've, you've voiced your opinion and then there's just blatantly like no 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 we're just going to ignore what you're saying has there been instances instances like that that you feel like oh bro these guys are not listening mm. there probably has been but I've never allowed it to happen cool. like I'm Whenever I'm in a space, I'm not there by myself and it's not my views that I'm pushing at the table. I'm there because I was gifted a responsibility to be able to speak for other people who aren't at the table. So even if there was some pushback, I'm just like, and? But these are these things that are missing and there's a reason why I'm pushing for these things. Um, For the most part, people have been open and receptive to receiving um, feedback about things. But yeah, I 
I've never encountered that blatantly, but if there is, it happens in a conversation that I'm not a part of. I know that much. That's mm. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. That's awesome. Mm. And are there ever times where, like, uh, the young people have, you know, spoken about a certain topic or an issue and they feel very strongly about something, um, and then you've kind of had to go back and hash things out? Or maybe there's a perspective they haven't considered and you're sort mm. of, do you go back and forth in terms of that voice or is it sort of you try and get it unfiltered as possible to the decision makers? As unfiltered as possible, I think, is the best because we don't want to invalidate experiences because everyone brings that with them. The greatest thing that you can offer in a boardroom setting is your experience, especially if you're asked to be there. Um, so it's important that if there is, you know, someone who speaks so passionately about it that you let them speak the way that they can. Um, where I would step in into conversations like that is shaping it within the context of the space. So let's say that we have a conversation and mental health comes up. Um, you know, you speak so passionately about suicide and suicide prevention. I would say, well, this is what we can do. This is what we can't do. And these are the bounds with which we can probably add some of what your experience is. And this is what the space has to offer. So how do we meet that in the middle is, is kind of the thing. Because we don't want to cool. tell anyone no, you know. Um, everyone has a rich life experience that they bring with them. Um, and then even more so, some people also bring their, you know, intellectual experiences, which also add to those conversations. So it's about mm. how do we shape a conversation within our context of what we can do um, instead of outright saying no. That's, good, That's cool. That's I cool. love that. Thank you. So cool. Yeah. Where does that courage come from also, like... Because, oh. you know, a lot of our Pacifica people are always mm. in that tension between what humility looks like versus yeah. just oh, allowing to be that quiet person and mm. everyone else to talk, but you're like, nah. Oh, I'm just, I think I don't have a fear of being ashamed, I think is my thing. Like, I don't mind looking stupid. And I think that's something that once a lot more people get over, a lot more people start to speak up, if I'm mm. being honest. I don't have that worry of like looking like an idiot and, like, and um, but that courage definitely is a blessing, you know, and it's something that is probably one of the best gifts that I've been given. You know, it's one of those God given things, if you will. Um, yeah, I just don't have the fear of humiliation, I guess. Mm. Um, and that's helped me be in spaces that I'm uncomfortable in. Um, and to be able to speak openly and freely. Um, and it comes from, you know, having an environment that cultivates that, mm. that kind of courage and allows me to make a fool of myself, encourages me to go and do those performing things. And yeah. That's, that's, that's beautiful. Mm. That's beautiful. So because you're right, I think what Charles was just, and what Charles was saying is you're, you're right, because you're, you're kind of breaking the mold because you, you, you hear, we hear it all the time. We hear, oh, not mm. nice, humble. No, be yeah. even to the point of being PC sometimes. Yeah. But you're 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 the opposite. You're sort of opposite. And I, I think a lot of men, and including myself, we need to kind of get to a stage where we we get over ourselves. Eh? Mm. It's like okay, this is who I am, regardless of, of the humiliation, and, yeah. and if I feel like a fool. But at least you've you've expressed your your true self. Mm. Is, is that is that like for you that you, you're able to just go in those meetings, and just be your authentic self and not yeah. even care, not even care what what they yep. think. And so, how does it come off with some of these people? Who are like, oh, wait a minute, you're not the, you're 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 a different mold. Um, this mm. this is this Pacific Islander is a different mold. Yeah. What's that, how? How do they, they in your in your mind? How yeah. do they perceive you? 
Or just to add to that, I think the only reason I'm able to do that is because I know that the only thing that can go wrong is I learn from it. Yeah. So if we have no fear of humiliation in these settings, the worst that can happen is that we have a new perspective leaving that. So um, in terms of how I think people perceive it, I think people, um, for the most part, have been open and receptive to me being honest and me being frank about what it is that I'm speaking about because it's never... um, I try to speak from a place of knowledge or knowledge of experience in what it is that I put forward. Um, so for the most part, people have just been thankful for being frank because, yeah, there is that big worry about how people will perceive me and, um, you know, being courteous to the other person that you're speaking to. But at the end of the day, we're here to do things and get things done. So if we're holding back for fear of offending someone, then we both leave that with nothing achieved in the end. So... Yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. And if anything, respect, mm. the respect you yeah, that you're you're open and honest and and you're not yeah kind of withholding anything back. Yeah. And so that's 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 cool, man. Well, because if you set the space to be a safe one from the outset, then you're allowed to have that discourse that may be you know contentious or it may be a bit rowdy. But if the premise of where it is that we're having a conversation is safety first, you know then whatever, you know, let the conversation flow how it is. And for the most part, we've, or I've been in spaces that secured that safety first. And yeah, it's allowed me to let myself go in those rooms and let my hair down, so to speak, uh, and be honest and be frank, because the initial um, conversation starts with, we want this to be a safe space first. Now let's let the conversation happen. It's good, man. Mm. Awesome. And it just sounds like an interesting contrast. Um, being in a place where big decisions are being made and then just being mm. home, you know, home and yeah. we being chill, lax with, you know, your friends oh, and family and all that. Um, is it interesting to pull lessons from both sides and sort of take them over to the other side and yeah. seeing how they mix and mingle with each other? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I think the coolest thing about taking from home into those boardrooms is the opportunity to have conversation, you know, those things are more prevalent at home even though they might not be in the way that we want them to, but the lesson of having a talanoa with people and being open and that cultural context has definitely allowed me to walk into some of these rooms where that lacks or where that isn't the case and just be like, cool, this is how we're going to run things here. Um, And that's going to be how we set the scene um, for us to have a conversation about whatever it is. If it's plans, policies or strategies, we're going to do it this way. Um, And then taking from the boardroom home, it's cool to see... Um, you know, to start the conversation about where those big decisions and those decision makers, how they impact what it is that we do at home um, from, you know, the rubbish being picked up to how the city infrastructure is going to be built over the next amount of years and being able to have that conversation with my family has also been really cool. Mm. That's cool, I like that. How, how hopeful were you and having like um, a brown mare. Oh, do we want to get? How much, <laughs> how, 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 oh. yeah, bring it, bring it, baby. Look straight in the camera, dude. <laughs> how okay? So this camera here, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the one. How hopeful was I? We, I was. You know, I've spoken about this to a couple people off camera. We had the perfect opportunity to have the perfect brown mare, um, as 
Auckland's first Pacifica mayor, mayor in Auckland. And I was like, oh, we really messed that up because I know that the next person that we put forward as a brown community is going to be a church minister um, who has a reputation for drinking after church or something like that, um, who is also known for taking money from the church ministries. Um, who is also known <laughs> for- Stand official. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like we really, it's very rare to see politics attached to someone um, who was so politically clean, so to speak. Yes, his views are outlandish. Yes, his views are whatever. But I don't think there's been a person that clean without, you know, a history of being scandalous and racist and, you know, being in positions where policies are blocking minorities um, from advancing in their cities. So... Yeah, when I saw that result come through, I was like, man, we we as a brown community let that man down. And I will go to my grave saying that for real. And how much of that do you think is due to like policy versus yeah. um, obviously race is like, mm-hmm. I feel like is always going to be an issue. Yeah. Um, and one of our previous guests, Tim Provides, had sort of given the example of um, when they were announcing, I think it was the All Blacks or some rugby team, mm. they had announced it at, um, I think, the Fallen. Mangere Town Centre and um, the amount of backlash that people were giving even though the majority mm. of the players were Polynesian there was still a lot of hate because it was being announced at this place yeah. um, so obviously racism is still an issue so how much do you think that influenced in terms of yeah the, the, the campaign for the, the, the mayor um, so in my opinion there are a lot of things and this is something that I've spoken directly with Auckland Council staff about Number one is about how we operate during election years. Um, We had the lowest voter turnout in our local body elections that we've probably ever seen. I don't know the specifics, Um, but we only talk about politics in election year. Like, Mm. you know, that's the issue is why do we wait till campaign years for these conversations to happen? Because the same questions are asked every campaign year. What is it that we're voting for? Who is it that we're voting for? And what do they do? But why is it that that's been the case for as long as we can remember? And Auckland Council and other local governments um, across the country, I'm pretty sure, can also um, mirror that that's a question that they get a lot of. So that's one thing about the system and how we do elections is flawed in that our civics education needs to start and be a continuous thing. We shouldn't stop because an election is finished. We need to keep that education going so that more people are engaged. The more engaged that we make our communities, the better voter turnout that we have, the more um, reflective those votes become of the communities that they live in. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, and then the second thing with racism, I don't think that's ever gonna leave. Um, and there has definitely been a spike um, in racial discourse over the past few years and and how um, tumultuous that can be um, and that influence of of racism around the world and how it's filtered its way down here. Um, And I don't think that's ever going to leave. So it's just about how we take it back. You know, those are some big picture questions that we probably can't answer but those things that we can do within the context of the space is we can say hey we might not be able to take uh, tackle social justice 
but we can educate you and see, you know, put the power back in people's hands and say you can vote about who you think can do that for you. That's oh cool. man, well said, oh, well said, also. And as I totally agree in terms of educa- educating our people and mm. also our young people. Yeah. And so obviously, when when we heard the news of um, Ifeso, we quite mm. yeah, we were quite saddened as well. But um, I'm just hopeful because just listening to you, also, you mm. may very well be the first. Oh no 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 nope Mm-mm. nope <laughs> <laughs> nope. But hey, yeah, but um, but also as well, um, Damien, because mm. um, because I'm talking about thinking about our young people. You've you've been in that space mm. with, uh, and you've talked on the on the table of these um these these people. But what are, what has been some of your your highlights in terms of has there been some real actual changes in obviously the societal changes of our young people? What have been some of the the things you feel like, man, this is this is the gap. This is what this is what's mm. really needed for our young people. Oh. Um, I think it's a, it's one of those things where it's a, it's a collection of, of heaps of little things that contribute to a better youth participation across the board. But no, I can't pinpoint a single thing. Um, ooh, um, in terms of some changes that we've been able to make as, you know, young people in this space, we've been able to, uh, we have a I'm not even going to say it because I can't remember the name of it um, but there is a strategic plan that looks at young people and um, how we operate in the city for Auckland in particular um, the I Am Auckland plan thank you I remembered it um, and it looks at some ways about how we navigate the city um, over the next X amount of years um, there have been more and more from what I've seen organizations put advisory groups together that include young people um, from philanthropy like Foundation North also has some um, trusts that have uh, young people advisory boards or groups um, youth law also has members on its youth board and it's also the only um, it's the only free youth service that looks at law free legal, advice for young people across the country and they've noticed that the gap is including young people at the top um in their boardroom so you know there's a lot more inclusion of young people in all of these different boardrooms and all of these different organizations and all of these different spaces it's cool man mm. yeah, awesome how because you know i'm a youth worker mm. and um it's a space that i know really loved and yeah but one of my um where my heart gravitates to is the youth justice Mm. kids yeah and they're a they're a voice that's vulnerable and that's sort of not Mm -hmm. amplified like have you seen their voices being amplified like has anyone asking absolutely not Mm. absolutely not you know that i'm lucky in that i'm being included as an engaged young person you know think about all of the millions of young people that we don't hear from i'm only in this position because i've been exposed to and have been saying yes to different opportunities that pipe up but no absolutely not there are definitely um there are missed tangent of young people um that are missing from conversations about how we make decisions that young people benefit from 
because of all the stigmas, you know, yeah. they're a part of a system that doesn't win for them and mm-hmm. that isn't on their side. So the last thing we want to be able to do is give them a voice. Yeah. And that's probably something that you know, because you're probably a bit more immersed in that side, mm-hmm. but they're more worried about their immediate actions than they are about where they fit in a big strategy or a big plan. Yeah. They're the immediate societal kind of response is we are more worried about young people doing good than we are about hearing what they have to say Mm. and that's kind of why we're missing a lot of that old ed youth justice people who aren't in schools people who aren't engaged that community of people wow that just I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, it's sad, like, it's sad. For, for, I don't know if I yeah. should be pissed off. And I don't know. I think how can we mobilize? Um, mm, it's a combination that, of both. Yeah, you yeah. should definitely be pissed off about it. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. And you should be hopeful that there is an opportunity mm, yeah, that we get yeah. to be able to to pull those things in, to be able to notice That's that there's good. a gap and that we can do something about yeah. it. Um, but yeah, the most recent discourse about young people and those ramries that have been happening you know we're more worried about young people and hoodies in malls than we are about their voices Mm. about plans that impact their lives for the next hundreds of years we're more worried about um, their behavior than their future and that's something that is you know troubling and is also a really cool opportunity if you figure out how to navigate that space Mm. that'd be cool and that must make for some interesting discussion in terms of, because obviously it's a balancing act, yeah? Yeah. So you kind of, ideally you'd be able to address both, but obviously it doesn't come as clean as that. Mm. So going back and forth, like when you see decisions being made, do you kind of, are you able to like sort of step back a bit and understand how they got to that decision and then pinpoint where you can sort of influence and, yeah. and affect future decisions? Um, and how much of it is like, having to fight back on decisions that have been made already. A lot of it is that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, which is why um, I said in my intro, a lot of it is about including young people at the beginning of all of those planning stages because um, advisory spaces are put in place to advise on things that are already completed or near its completion. Um, But what I'm saying is that it's important that we start with the people that we know that we don't do well with engaging. Why is it that we know that we don't, you know, communicate well with our young people, our older people, our ethnic groups, our rainbow community, our et cetera, et cetera. And instead of including them in the ideation and the brainstorming of those things, we say, okay, let's just go and put all this work together. And then when it's done, then we'll come to you and say, hey, how does that look? And, you know, you've done all of this work for nothing because, you know, it gets to me and I'm like, no, that's not going to work. Uh, and here's why, you know, things have moved on from when you started planning this thing. Uh, the strategy isn't fit for purpose in terms of our young people are growing. And by the time it gets into action, because that'll take another however many years, um, it's not going to work. So we, you know, it's important that we push back and say no. Day one is where we want to start. Mm. Day one is we want the conversation to start with us, not end with us. We don't want to be responding to something that you've done. We want to be creating something with you. And that makes all the difference. You know, that collaboration from the beginning makes all the difference in the outcome and the impact that it's able to have because a lot more people can see themselves in those things that we'd be able to create together um, versus... Um, an asterisk and a plan that says this person had feedback in it. 
That's cool, man. That's cool because mm. I like it. You, you said about, about being together, doing it together, collaboration. Yeah. And obviously, you're around the table, you're having these discussions. But you kind of think, especially as us as, as Pacific men or Polynesian mm. men, how of the uh, like the learnings and the discussions that you're having in, around the table? Mm. How much of that do you go back home and you're able to implement that at home? Because you know our culture. Yeah. There's kind of like children are seen but not heard. Yeah. And how much of that is like, oh my gosh, intergenerational kind of, yeah. now this is the, the matai, this is, the, this is how it's mm. done for us, more, that kind of stuff. How much of that do you, are you able to implement and even try to um, bust down some of those, I guess you can say those, mm. um, those walls in terms of our own culture? Oh, so as a culture, yeah, now nah, we got some work to do, guys. Yeah. Um, we have, mm, I don't know how I want to phrase this. Excuse me. <clears throat> The framework that New Zealand uses uh, to address Pacific people is the Talanoa framework, you know, important about bringing people around the table, let's have a conversation, you know, youth workers use it, educators use it, whatever. Um, but as a culture of people, when we get to use that, there is a process for how Talanoa happens. Um, and I think we need to start being a bit more inclusive about who that process includes. Um, so I know that for mum, she probably hates me some days because I still take that same kind of courage or lack of a better term. And I don't mind just talking to my mum casually about, you know, things that are happening in the house. And and she's yelled at me a couple of times about how, you know, sharp my tongue is for to be tasteful for the cameras. But um, yeah, you know, it's about being inclusive in that process of Talanoa and the way that we do things. Um, because there is a lot more that we can learn from each other. And the moment that we get over um, the hierarchy in our houses, the more that we're able to be free as a family to enjoy each other's company instead of resenting them for the role that they play in it, um, the more that we see each other as people, the less that we see them as a role that they have to play in a family the more we're able to enjoy each other as a family. Or at least that's the way that I see it. Um, yeah. It's cool, man. I'll see it. Man, and um, speaking of family, I'm curious about um, people who helped influence you. I'm just thinking back to you talking about not being ashamed, which is, mm. it's so hard. Like, it's something yeah. I still struggle with now. Like, um, and I just, I'm curious about how that came to be. Because obviously... We spend most of our time growing up in our home, yeah. um, aside from school. So I'm curious about the home environment in terms of fostering that ability to not be ashamed so that you're able mm. to go out and do the things that you've done. Yeah. Um, ooh, I think I can sum it up. So mum's always just been encouraging and telling me to do something that makes you happy. And for me, I found that making people laugh and being amongst people um is something that i enjoy so she's like cool then do that um but that's kind of been the 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 environment i guess um and then school environments kind of pick up on that on you know they start shoulder tapping kids from a young age about those ones that stand out and they're just like hey do you want to do you want to maybe come and do this and oh you kind of have a talent do you want to kind of do this and um through that i've been able just to go and Give 100% at every at every point 
do do I have some fails? Absolutely. Um, I would probably be embarrassed if my year, oh, what year was it? My year 11 solo performance external came out because I thought I was Rick James and I kneeled on the stage and my pants ripped and I didn't know until I got up. But you know, you know, God bless that. That's um, shout out to James Cook. I hope they don't archive things, but I mean, it's James Cook, so who knows? Um, yeah, no, I've always just um, pushed it, even if, yeah, no, I've always just been that way and. I think my family have been accepting of it, which is really cool. Um, because they're a family of performers as well in their own right. Um, my older sister is a writer who you guys know. Um, a musician, uh, uh, everything else. She's kind of mid, but I wouldn't say that to her face. <laughs> um, and yeah, we grew up singing and making noise and enjoying each other's company. So all I did was take what I would do at home and do it in other places. And that kind of is the motto. Yeah. Mean. Did you get JC? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to JC. Shout out to James Cook Correctional Facility. You know what? I'm kidding. The voice. Do you think that school needs a name change? Oh, um, I don't really mind it to be honest. I mean, that's not for me to say because it's not my school anymore. So. Yeah, but no, I still love James Cook. I definitely, if I didn't have the teachers that I had when I was there, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I can say that for sure. Um, and shout out to all the ones that are still there that when I was there. Um, but no, I don't really care, to be honest. It's something that, you know, one of the important things about these youth spaces is that once you recognize that you're not there anymore, that you should move all the way on. And it's the same with high school, I think, because I'm not there anymore, not immediately attached to it in mm. any capacity. Let the people that are there make that decision. Jeez. Yeah, it's you and your last cell connections. Yeah. Time to let it go. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I am a JC, but um, hey, no. shout out to JC. But um, Damien, has, has there even been a, a time, because obviously there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of strategy, a lot of um, policies, a lot of um, mm. discussions, a lot of talking around the table. Has there ever been a time where you just felt like, man, it's just it's mentally for you, it's like it's um, it's draining, it's consuming right now. It's like, man, I just need a break. Has it been until like, <sighs> somebody? I just, you know what, guys, that's enough. I just need to rest. Yeah, I did all of the things that were talked about voluntarily for six of those seven years, and that's crazy to think about because it was also alongside school when I was in high school. Um, and then studies while I was studying, um, I studied for a little bit, um, but it was all for the passion and all for the opportunity, you know, we, I recognised that it was definitely one of those things that don't come to people often and something that I can't, you know, take lightly to be in those rooms because if we think about the last election, how many people had to fight for those spots mm. and I was asked to be there. So I'm going to be there in every way that I can. So, but I mean, after a while, it just gets a lot, you know, a lot of what it is that we're responsible for is other people. And there is only so much of their responsibility that you can take on and make your own um, before you're like, nah, dude, I just need to change it, which is kind of why I've stepped back for the last few years, but I'm definitely looking to get back into it again sometime soon. But 
it's about recognizing when you become resentful that that's the time to tap out. Mm. I would say the minute that it became like I don't want to go here. Well, I'm sick of this. It was the minute I started thinking about okay, what's the exit strategy? Because there's it's not fair if your job is about people to be resentful about your job. So it's best that you take that step back and reevaluate and reassess before you come back and start doing it again. Otherwise, you start resenting the people that you're there for and the reason why you're there. So it was just like, yeah, about, I want to say 2020, 2021. Yeah, 2021 in particular, I was like, mm, maybe the space doesn't need me right now. And, you know, maybe the space won't burn if I'm not here. So I'm happy to just take a break and leave all those responsibilities and only do things that I'm asked to do and let it be. Because mm, how, how how hard was that? Because I know sometimes you, you can recognise those signs that I need a break, mm. but sometimes you needing yourself like, oh, I don't know, and just getting out of that space or getting out and, you know, just moving out mm. of the space because sometimes it can be quite taxing, but also at the same time you think, oh, you know, what's it, what's it going to, what's the, what's the turnout? What's yeah. it going to be like? And so... How, how, how easy was it for you to kind of step away? Uh, it was easier to step away. It wasn't easy dealing with it after though because that anxiety of like, that's all I'm known for. Like people know me as Damien, the youth voice guy. They know me for all the things that I've been doing over the, the past six years. All of the things that I've accomplished has to do with what I'm leaving. Like how, how do I step away from that and still be okay? And then I stepped away from it and I'm like, oh, I'm okay. I think we just need to be okay with being okay. And the minute that we let go and, you know, we remove ourselves from the space that we become resentful about, we're just like, cool, now we can breathe and we can deal with it. Um, and then when we're ready to get back to what it is that we're passionate about, then cool, that space will always be there. Um, and that's the case for a lot of people who have passions as their job. Um, the minute things become resentful, they're like, mm, if I leave it, will I be able to come back for it? And it's like, yeah, you're passionate about it. You know, it's not going anywhere if you're passionate about it. It just means that, you know, you'll be able to come back with a new fervor and a new reignition, if you will. Yeah, rejuvenated. Yeah, nice. Man, it's crazy to just hear the maturity. Like, <clears throat> excuse me, just to have that kind of perspective and being able to step back. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who just endure through. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about schools and, and it's something I'm really passionate about. But yeah. We all know those teachers who have become resentful and yeah. you know, you're like, damn, like yeah. you know they're letting they're they're projecting yep. and letting it out on the kids, which is unfair. Um and, and so I'm curious about um sort of some of the biggest issues that you see these days that sort of young people or you anticipate mm -hmm. that young people will face in the near future. Oh um hmm. with one thing that I've come to like recently is the idea of a social media diet so when we think about all of our health and dieting and what we digest we don't often consider social media as a form of something that we ingest in ourselves and digest all of that social media and its influence and etc etc um that'll be probably issue number one um because there is such an immediate access to information it's troubling how crazy that is that we know about things that happen so quickly and that 
um, process of information is so quick. If we think about, and I know this is going to be a horrible comparison, it'll segue. <laughs> if we think about 9-11 and the only way that we got the information was on TV, now we're able to have a 9-11 story every day on our phones. And if we think about it that way, we have a 9-11 tragedy happening all the time, constantly, because there are those tragedies that are happening around the world all the time, constantly. And now young people are on social medias where that's accessible. That's crazy. Um, that they can scroll and go from the protests about hijabs in Iran to the war in Ukraine to the shootings in America to the shootings in New Zealand to the ram raids to et cetera, et cetera. And just thinking about the impact that that has on our young people is crazy to think about. Um, not even to you know, mention the addiction and stuff. That's all stuff that we know about. But just to think about all of that tragedy being so accessible is crazy to me. Um, I think we've removed the fun from young people and we've exposed them to too much of the negative. Um, and it's only going to get worse the more things ramp up over the next few years. Um, in terms of... Oh, um, socioeconomic status, those are all things that we're all familiar with in terms of how um, we're not equipped to survive currently and we're all just making by. And if that's what our parents are going through, think about what our young people who are recipients of that as well. Um, if we think about, you know, our last election and all of the conversations about our year 13s leaving schools to get jobs, if we think, you know, that's happening now, but how much worse is that going to get if we don't intervene at some point? Yeah, so those are the, the two biggest things. Mm. Oh, no, um, the other thing I'm curious about is how do the younger generation view what a man is or men because it's yeah it's gender's been such a massive topic for yep. the last few years so i'm curious about young people's opinions on Ooh. what makes a man a man in the modern era i think it's changing eh? i think we i think the image of a man is changing day by day um and that we're allowing it to be we're allowing to blur the lines of what it is um, that we're expecting men to be. I think that's the way that I'll put that. Um, we're allowing men to feel. We're allowing men to talk. We're allowing platforms where um, positive conversations are allowed to happen. And um, that's changed from the stoic kind of staunch image that we grew up with. Um, and the responsibility of man in the household and et cetera, et cetera. But now we're, we're allowing the image of men to change to be more human. And I think that's, that's something that I'm getting, um, aside from the men are trash narrative, <laughs> which is also something. Um, yeah. And I've also found that, that discourse kind of weird about like all men are trash, but not all men, sorry. Um, and people that have a, um, a problem with that, you know, that notion of not all men i'm just like yeah but enough men are a problem for this to be a thing and i think that's something that we also need to acknowledge as men you know women are saying that from a position of enough men have hurt us enough times enough ways for us to be like men in general are trash and i'm just like yeah that's true that's historically correct that we've been responsible for you know, from a micro level of relationships to fail to macro levels of countries to fail. So it's, um, we need to own up and take that on and just be better. 
um, and just do better and take that on and be like, cool, if that's what you have, um, let me take that on and say, hey, I know that you think that way, how can I be better? And that's that's kind of the the positive narrative that I'm getting outside of all of that, that heaping on of men. Mm. Mm. That's so interesting to yeah. think about. Um, just because <clears throat> I think about our, you know, our young, our young men and, mm. um, or just our young people. And there's, you know, you mentioned social media before earlier um, and, you know, seeing headlines all the time. Mm. But the other side of that is like, there's so many new narratives. Yeah. <clears throat> there's sometimes, you know, people, not everyone is privy to yeah. the, the origins of, and then like having to own up to, um, like generations before, like yeah. things that have gone wrong that we can acknowledge, but then the burden of like, obviously, I'm assuming, and I, I might, you know, I might show how um, how thoughtless I might be in this, but obviously the buck has to stop somewhere, and yeah. so it's sort of the the gauge I'm getting is that it's about sort of not letting it go further and just mm. stepping up and owning it, yeah, owning it as as, as it, it was, is. as it as is, it was, yeah. yeah. Um, is that sort of along the lines of, Absolutely. of what that's about? Because the biggest thing is that we're the generation of change in many ways, and a lot of that is the image of where men sit as a you know male, and um, gender roles has been talked about because it's a generation of change, and uh, for some people that's a literal thing in terms of their own gender and sexuality and their own identities, um, but as a society, we, I think, from what I've been able to experience, we're also being open to what um, gender looks like when we let our walls down and we allow ourselves to um, to be uh, accepting that our role can be more than just what we know, and you know we're allowed to learn more and we're allowed to express and invent and be new and change in that way. Awesome, I mm. love that. That's cool. Thank you so much. Um, the other thing I was curious about was, um, what do you think men need to be more courageously out there about, and not be afraid or be ashamed about being wrong? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's, it's good. That's, good. That's good. Oh my gosh! How you know? And I won't say names, but even in your comments, <laughs> but um, <laughs> we need to be able to accept the fact that we're allowed to be wrong. Mm. You know, uh, we we're so ingrained in the idea that we have to be right about something. Um, and it's crazy, you know, for the most part we may be, and it may be something that we're, you know, experts in, but we're also allowed to be wrong. And the minute that we, um, give ourselves that grace and that permission that we would allow other people, the minute that we apply that to ourselves, the more we've relaxed, we come as men, um, you know, to be accepting in our own spaces, in our own families, in our own households, and and so on and so on. You know, we don't have to be right all the time. And yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool, Thank man. You. That's mm. so good. I feel like I'm right all the time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Do you want to just? Look at the <laughs> Oh man! But in terms of the, uh, our young people, um, mm. Damien, so you're collating all, the, all this information and, and, and they're kind of setting all these, uh, what's what's the, in terms of policies and, and so forth. Mm. But I'm just wondering for, for yourself, you, you've seen you you've, you've seen and you would have heard a lot of things regarding men and, and so forth. 
But what's what's your take for you personally? Because you because you're hearing all the, what, what the young people are saying. Mm-hmm. But for, for you personally, what what is your take in terms of uh, men and and also the societal changes mm. of of our men? Is it quite positive in, in your mindset in terms of um, how we are doing as, as as men, or is it it's a lot of things that are, that are kind of like man, there's, there's some things that are quite questionable. Mm, I think well, I'm optimistic by nature, so all of the things that I know are negative but with an optimistic viewpoint so we look oh there is just enough conversations about how men can do better and when we look at men in relationships with our women and our families when we look at their um the way that they approach life with this i need to be right and patriarchal view of how we do in society um but i'm seeing that as an opportunity to say Um, We can do better and that I'm of the mind that we're a matriarchal people, you know, that we have a mother earth for a reason. Um, And the more that we acknowledge that, you know, we can do better in honoring our women, the more that we can do better as men. Um, But yeah, I think for me in terms of the position that I have for men in society, I just think that everything that negative about us as men is true, but that also means that we have an awesome opportunity and a hopeful outlook as to what um, is possible for what men can be in the future. You know, we know um, what men are like in toxic relationships. We know what those adultery stories are. We all know someone who um, is a single mother. We all know... um, of that guy who borrows more money than they should to feed their own addictions. We all know those stories. Um, But it also means that we have an opportunity to acknowledge that, say, yeah, that's us, that's, you know, on us, and we can do better. We can um, change the way that we do things. We can change the way that we operate. We can um, be more open to ideas. We can have more conversations that are inclusive of everyone around us and so on and so on. Mm, Nice. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And I'm curious about how that sort of impacts. I'm just speaking on like personal views and things. Mm. It must be interesting. I just think of like culture and religion. Yeah. I'm just when I think about patriarchy, mm. that's typically where my mind goes to first. Yeah. So I'm curious about how that's affected you operating in those spaces um, mm. in your personal life. Oh man, it's meant that I've had to shut up a lot. As much as it is my responsibility to talk, you know, in spaces, it's also meant that I've had to shut up a lot more. It's acknowledging that I'm also sharing a space with people and that, um, you know, my position as a man is also important um, to be a guardian of a space, not the mouthpiece of a space. Um, So to allow myself to step back and say, hey, I'm not going to have input here but let me keep the space safe so that other people can. And I think that's also a really cool thing. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing for me is just knowing when when to shut up, when to let others speak and so on and so on. It's mm, cool. I love mm. that. Mm. It is. It is uh, I, I agree. I think, I think sometimes 
you know, patriarchal being men, sometimes you feel the need, you have to voice your opinion, yeah. you have to talk. And even you don't, you know, even if you don't have an opinion, but you feel like, mm. oh, I have to, you but feel no, the pressure, I you feel the pressure, yeah, yeah, you feel yeah, the yeah. pressure to, to speak and even talk. But, and, and that's, I don't know, maybe that's, that's some of the reasons as to why some of our ladies are thinking, men just don't like to talk, men just don't express their, their feelings. What, what are your thoughts? Do you think as, as men, we don't talk enough or we don't want to express our emotions? It's not that we don't talk enough, it's that we talk at the wrong times. I think we need to get over <laughs> the idea that we don't talk enough because that's good. if we think about how many episodes of this podcast, we know that all of these episodes are like an hour long. We don't have a problem <laughs> with speaking. I'm pretty sure, well, I know for the most part, everyone in here is married except for me. I'll just go into my queen size bed and cry. Um, <laughs> But, you know, the wives and the partners know that these men talk enough. We talk a lot. We talk a lot. But the issue is that we talk at the wrong times and about the wrong things, you know? We have a hyper-focus on things where we're convinced that we have a say in instead of, you know, listening and and being impartial and saying, hey, let me take a break from this and let's you, let you handle it. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, that's, that's so interesting, interesting that's man. Well, man. I never oh, saw, man. That's good, bro. Yeah. Because usually when we're in a space where... Because our women are amazing, dear. Mm. I'm being like... Strength-based here. Like, <laughs> they're amazing. You like, they are amazing. You <laughs> <laughs> they're amazing. But we have... A, and they're independent. They're strong. Yeah. And there's this rise of like... Why? Mm. You know, strong whining. But... They can be quite dominant in spaces and then that sort of like so, sometimes we're like oh we can't get a word in mm. so like it's, like it's interesting where we talk about we talk keeps yep. but then we talk at the wrong time but yep. then there's a lot of times we we just sort of shut down and mm. feel like we can't talk but I'm not talking for about everyone. It's not, that's not that's every right, experience. That's right, because you have a microphone too. Oh my gosh, I'm going to get a lot of, I'm going to get a lot of comments. <laughs> that's right. Oh no, because that's also a real thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. There are some positions where we find ourselves yeah. in rooms with our women that, you know, make it a bit harder for us as men to talk. Or we find our room with people in general, not just women, but people in general. Yeah. Um, who make it harder for us to talk, but it's just about acknowledging when is our right time and when is mm. our space and what is it that we can feed into. If it's in those boardroom settings, it's about saying, I can talk when there is an issue about, um, for me personally, I can talk to when there's an issue about plans that impact young people, but I can't talk about plans that impact, from a place of knowledge anyway, our rainbow communities. And it's about acknowledging when it is our time to talk and when it That's isn't. Good. Um, and if there are spaces where that's difficult, even when it is our time to talk, it's about asking yourself why. Why do I feel so, um, you know, discouraged to be able to pipe up? Is it because we're fearful that we may be shut down? Is there a shame attached to being shut down by someone that we don't view initially as someone more powerful or equal to? Um, is it acknowledging that you know we didn't have an, a good opinion of that person and now here they are you know proving us wrong and we shut down in those positions so let's ask ourselves the question when we're in that room or we're in that space or we're in that conversation like mm. why is it that i feel that i can't get a word in 
what mm. is it that's keeping me from doing that? Why do I shut down immediately? What What is it that's keeping me from saying something? And a lot of the times it's because we all grew up with the rule, you know, if you have nothing nice to say, they don't say it yeah, at all. Yeah. Um, but it's also just about, you know, sometimes we're threatened or sometimes we're, um, we're yeah, there is a, a shamefulness when there is someone that outdoes you in a space, whether that's a woman, whether that's whoever, mm. um, that, you know, makes us shut down and we're like, maybe I shouldn't speak here. Maybe this isn't my time. But, you know, ask yourself that question, why? Oh, and then that, yeah, that allows that's you good. to, okay, well, if I know why, then now I can do with that what I want. It's interesting because, you know, even now, like, I'm not so sure if you get kind of these kind of feedback from, from young people, but even mm. now, I'm hearing all the time, alpha male, better male. Yeah, yeah. And so you, you, you kind of, and I think a lot of our young people now are thinking, a lot of our young men or even young boys are thinking, man, I need to be the alpha male. Mm. And so hence why, I, I, I don't know, maybe we can all kind of, kind of discuss this as well. Is there a pressure for, for us to kind of be the alpha male? And if we're not the alpha male, we feel like, oh my gosh, I'm the better male, like, which is, mm. which is can be quite, be quite, damaging for someone who's like, I want to be a man. Mm -hmm. But because of all these things that are happening mm. uh, and how people perceive you, because yeah. what are your thoughts on that in terms of alpha and beta? Um, well, it's just to do with my idea around this being the generation of change and there's still being an attachment to what the idea of a man is. You know, the more strongly we convince our young men that no, they have to be a certain way and they have to speak this way and speak with confidence and be the head of their households, but the, you know, the reality is that not every man is that way, not every person is that way, and not every body fits into the expected role that they're supposed to play in society. So it's about acknowledging that there is a way that things have happened and that there is a change that's about to happen or is happening now. And a lot of that has to do with the alpha, beta male mentality and that, you know, that doesn't work for society moving forward because we're constantly changing what it is that it means to be a person regardless of what their gender identity is. We're changing what it means to be a human. And a lot of that has to do with removing those roles and those expectations of what it means to be a person. Um, and that's why there's such a strong, you know, what's the word? A strong rejection of that notion um, and a strong attachment to like, no, we need to keep things the way they are and change is scary and all of that, all of that goodness. Yeah. And that made me think about... Um so, you know, that whole narrative about alpha and beta males, mm. a lot of it's become more popular because it's almost being like the minority perspective yeah. now, like because of the way the world is being shaped up to, yep. to be. Um, so I was curious about your thoughts on like um, people like Andrew Tate and his mm. influence on, you know, the views of young men. Yeah. Oh, what, what are my views on... On Andrew Tate. Well, what are your views around the table? This is also a shared conversation. Yeah, this is good. This is good. Let's bring everybody in. Man, I, to be honest, I don't watch Andrew yeah. Tate. Yeah, absolutely it's not. Peace Morgan, eh? I have <laughs> probably listened to... Yeah, I don't listen to much. I listen to um, Drink Champs and mm. Mandate and... <laughs> Shout out to Mandy, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that was 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 make sure you like and subscribe below, yeah? I love those guys. Yeah. This is the only two podcasts I really listen to. Mm. Andrew Tate. Oh, I think what you're saying, Jay, because he seems like a bit of a minority right now. And I think for him, and people will always perceive him to like be this alpha male yeah. because he's saying all these things, which is, which is not new. 
Mm. I feel like it's not it's not new. He's saying these things. He's standing up for for his uh, ideals and so forth. Um, but I think that what makes him uh, what people as to why they perceive him to be an alpha because he's not afraid to like you were saying. He's not afraid mm. to to share his thoughts and not yeah. ashamed to to look like an idiot. Yeah. And Absolutely. so that's why I think a lot of these younger guys are thinking, oh, he can actually say that? Is mm. he allowed to say that? Oh, man. And so a lot of these young, um, younger generation, even young, some of these older men are thinking, wow, he's actually saying something that I want to say, but I'm a bit too PC. And mm. so he's um, politically incorrect, yeah. um, but also he, he stands on his convictions and he's not afraid to share mm. his, his thoughts in his mind. I think that's why he's so, uh, uh, people are kind of like, oh, uh, are attracted to mm. what, he, what he has to share and what he has to say. Yeah, and just, yeah, he represents an ideology we know, and that's what's scary, and that's um, why his views uh, resonate so well with people, because that's an ideology that we know and that we're changing. And the minute that we change the status quo, the more um, what the status quo used to be is something that we want to keep the same. Um, and it's the same, you know, when we have in our games and people change uniforms, and they're like, no, we take it the way the old was. It's the reason why we didn't change the flag with the new referendum that came out. It's the reason why we still haven't legalized marijuana in this country, even though we all know someone. <laughs> I like how you looked at me. <laughs> oh, come on. Even though we all know someone. Come on, David. That will work with or otherwise. <laughs> you know, and we want to keep those things the same. And it's because we've built a society that works on organization. And, you know, the way that we're changing things is to be a bit more independent. We're removing that community aspect that has roles and people that play them um, to be more individualized experiences in the way that we navigate the world. So the way that. I see Andrew Tate as he represents a very um, true ideology that we've known for the longest time and it's something that's existed before me and will exist after me. Um, but we, I think, as people are noticing that um, the community experience is something that's also changing and we're becoming a bit more individualized in the way that we navigate the world. Mm, well said. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Uh, it sort of makes me think about the importance of role models because yeah. people that have a platform, there's almost a, you know, there's not an outspoken contract or about responsibility, but yeah. essentially you are responsible for your words and mm. you never know how it can impact, especially young people. Yeah. Um, and so what do you think in terms of the importance of role models or, or people to be accountable for what they say, especially in the online world? Mm. Oh, I think more people need to be remembered. You know, we need to go back to a time where we could catch these people outside. I think that's the thing here. It's because <laughs> a lot of these conversations happen, you know, outside of the scope of knowing where that person is from, you know. I'll, we couldn't get away with these things before because we knew where they lived. And the more that we get back to that, the more that we have civil conversations about things that really matter. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's how snippet. Could you imagine? Clip that, clip that, whoever the editor's are, clip that and shift that, G. There's your views on TikTok right there. More um, me outside. But no, it's true though. I mean, we need to be, oh, what was the question? Sorry. Um, so sort of like the importance of people being accountable for what yeah, they speak yeah, yeah. online. I, I think we just need to, you know, make more engaged people, period. I think the more that we make engaged people, the more and that we're able to hold people that we see as role models accountable. 
the more that we allow people to be educated and to think for themselves, the more that we remove the influence from a role model that may be negative to different communities of people, the more that we allow people to think um, and activate themselves, the more that we see that role models um, and who they are change as well. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And speaking mm-hmm. on role models, so then what makes a good role model? You, you talked about there are negative role models out mm-hmm. there. So what makes a role model a good role model? Um, uh, oh, in my opinion, a good role model is someone that allows you to think. Mm. Um, that's always kind of been my premise about what a good role model does. Um, whether that's about you know music, whether that's about art, whether that's about dance, whether that's about performance, uh, whether it's you know society and et cetera, et cetera. But a good role model is someone that makes you think, someone that makes you ponder, someone that makes you take what it is that they do, think about and have conversations about it is what I think the best role model does. That's great, man. That's great. Well said. Mm. And it, like you, when you talk about thinking, you talk about critically thinking, empirical thinking. Um, mm. Yeah. And so you're right. I think there's a lot of times where as men, one of the things that we kind of like sometimes is just think. Yeah. Yeah. Think. Absolutely. I'm not just, just, not just think, but think for ourselves. Mm. And I think that can be sometimes a, a bit of a downfall for, for us is not think for ourselves. Mm. Uh, and you know, what, what, what are your thoughts in terms of role, like going back to what Jay was saying about role models? Uh, what what are your what's your take on those individuals who may have a platform on social media and so forth, mm-hmm. um, but they turn around? Like, I didn't ask to be a role model. Why 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 are people watching me? I didn't mm. ask you to be a role model. And just what what, what are your thoughts on that? When people go, oh, you should be a better role model. When they go, they can turn around and go, hey, hey, listen, it's that's I'm just being me. I didn't, mm. I didn't ask to be a role model. I think that's fair. I think. You know, again, letting people think for themselves, we shouldn't be placing the responsibility of being influenced in the hands of somebody else. The more that we point at someone and say, you're the reason that I'm doing this, the less we take responsibility for ourselves. So it's important that we also acknowledge why it is that we're putting these people on pedestals and it's saying we need to start thinking for ourselves and attaching ourselves to ideas, not people. And the more that we attach ourselves to ideas and making them better as ourselves, the more that we remove that responsibility of looking at someone and saying, you're a role model, and this is everything that you've influenced and why it's wrong for me. Yeah, That's good, bro. Mm. But I'm just trying to, like I'm thinking about our conversation around holding um, ideas or influences, Mm. holding them accountable. Yeah. In terms of some of the stuff that we say, mm. and it's almost like because we're in, living in an age where it's like cancel culture is like that's high. You can't say a certain thing anymore, yeah. and so we're not really allowing everyone's views to really marinate and mm. and have these discussions because it's like I don't like what you're saying. Um, we should mm. we should. I guess um, hold hands and sing. Oh, no, nah, oh, I don't like what you said, <laughs> yeah. but let's cancel it. We should get them yeah. off. Like, what are your views on that? Like, what's the space look like when those conversations happen? Are you bringing me on just because you want me to have a debate about what it is that my viewpoint is? Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Are we just having, you know, a debate about these controversial topics where mm. I would be cancelled if I said how I really feel? Yeah. Is that what, you know, is that the issue? Or is it because we're not setting a safe enough space for those conversations to happen? Mm. That's why the premise for if we're having a conversation of any kind should always be safety first. 
then we allow for all of those conversations, positive or negative. You know, we allow that challenge to be in the room because the space is safe. Mm. And those things are allowed to happen. If, you know, that's why a lot of those people aren't, don't do well when they're brought into different rooms where um, they're not supposed to be or why they're always cancelled when they're speaking on their own platforms. It's because those spaces aren't safe for those conversations to happen. If we made it available and we made it that it is a discussion about political views instead of you're wrong, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong, that changes everything about how we approach that thing. That's good. That's good, man. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because typically that's how things have operated in the past in yep. terms of there's always, it's black and white. You're right or mm. you're wrong. There's never been, where's now, <clears throat> excuse me, I feel like thing, the world is navigating to a space where we're exploring the spectrum in the middle yep. and sort of allowing, like opening up. Yeah these things that we took as absolute fact and absolute truth and now mm -hmm. we're sort of unpacking the origins of where those beliefs yeah. came from and perhaps there's room for more. Um, mm. Is that sort of an accurate kind of description? I would say so. Yeah. It's about removing that debate model and opening a conversation one because the what's more important and where the impact lies is conversations with people and that's what's really important to remember is that the most learning that we can do is by having conversations that's why mm. those Talanoa frameworks work it's why Talanoa is such an important thing to us as a people because we traditionally have recognized how important conversations are to have in a space that's been set aside to have those conversations but the more that we remove ourselves from that and the more that we open ourselves up to debate about who's right and who's wrong, the less productive everybody leaves out of those conversations. Mm. Man. I love that. That's good, bro. Speaking of those conversations, like when you're in a conversation, not every topic is going to strike you as mm -hmm. something you're passionate about. Yeah. Um, how important is it to like not just check out and be like, I've said my bit, um, I've heard the bit yeah. I'm interested in and I'm going to get now. Mm. Um, but actually sitting through and listening to the other perspectives, especially when you're in spaces like council yeah. where big decisions are made. Um, how, yeah, how important is it to stick through and, and not just check out when you've, you've got what you need? Oh, it's the most important thing because you never know who that's going to matter to. And if I'm, you know, if I'm in a room where some things don't matter to me, it will matter to someone. And the least I can do is pay them that attention to say, hey, we're in the same room together. We're both in a position where we're voicing our opinions and our passions about something. So it would be rude of me to, you know, um, remove myself from after I've said my piece. You know, it's about acknowledging everyone in the space. You know, it would be sad if I was only talking to Pete and then you two asked the question and I checked out and like, <laughs> you know, it's just acknowledging about who's around the table and saying that, hey, all of our experiences and what it is that we have to say is important. And if we walk into every room with that in mind, it allows us to operate from a space of equity and treating everyone the same. Um, so even if it's not an issue that I'm worried about, you know, if I as a young person am in a room with the seniors, you know, someone who's older that's talking about Auckland Transport and I'm there to talk about, you know, some strategies for young people, it would be kind of stink of me to just be like, and, you know, like super gold card, ooh, you get free transport. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just about acknowledging who's in the room. That's cool, oh, man. Mm. You talk about creating a, a safe space, um, Damien. Yeah. Has there ever been a time in some of these council meetings where you felt like, man, I do not feel safe here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know... Any examples or...? Oh, none that comes yeah, to mind. Cleaner. 
Um, <laughs> well, that one, yeah, I was eco about that the whole time. It was just like sitting in the back of my mind. But what if I did just start cleaning the table? <laughs> that was also something that I was thinking about. I was just like, what if I just like, hey guys, welcome, and just started cleaning the table in front of everyone? Just like how funny that would be. Um, but you know, there are definitely some conversations where everybody's best interests weren't at mind or weren't at heart. Um, and it had to do with all of the being pulled aside to talk about an issue about something that happened. It's just like, no, don't do it that way. You know, let's everybody sit in the room and, and talk it out together. But there are definitely times where spaces haven't been safe for conversations to happen. And it, yeah, it's an ugly feeling when you feel like you're being attacked under the premise of let's have a talk about something that happened. Um, because that's definitely happened to me on more than one occasion. I can I can say for sure. Man. Mm. It's um, mm, it's, good, it's really interesting. It just sort of made me think about at the end of the day, the people who make decisions are human beings. Yeah, and you know when you think about the conversations that we have in our home, yeah. um, oftentimes you know things are said and sometimes feelings are hurt, yeah. and there can be you know some ill for a little bit, yeah, and then you get over it eventually. But I imagine when those happen in meetings where decisions, the stakes are high. Yeah, um, sometimes there are personal clashes. Mm -hmm. Like, how much does? sort of a personal feeling affect some of those conversations and finding a successful outcome? Um, uh, for some of the spaces that I've been a part of, it's been really hard because you're there on the premise of your personal experience. So it's hard to be, you know, challenged about what it is that you've experienced and you're challenged about why it is that you're there and it's been hard to battle and deal with Um yeah, it's definitely just about how we we want to make sure that people leave feeling high-spirited regardless of what it is that they came in with, you know, because it's unfair that you leave and the first thing you do is, oh, man, like that's probably the worst feeling to have as someone who's been contracted to do all of this work and with the best intentions and I've been asked to come in you know, give my advice and it would feel real stink if I just came in and looked at your work and said, no, dude, that's trash. Like, chuck it out, don't do it, you know. So it's about balancing how we um, navigate our personal responses and how we feel about that. And, you know, in a way that allows for somebody else whose work went into something um, and allowing them to be, you know, okay with this is constructive criticism uh, and so on. That's cool. Yeah. And I'm speaking on balance, uh, and maybe, I'm not sure if you're able to say, but mm -hmm. um, are you able to say whether there are more men or women from the youth sector that are entering into council? Oh, no, I can't say for sure, sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, back to the safe Talanoa, you know, mm. Pacifica model, but in terms of our young Pacifica and our parents or our adults, like, mm. or our elders, have you ever seen... A talanoa or consultation, yeah, mm. space of conversation where it's done well, or oh. has it always been just one sided? Yeah, it's oh, it's been very rare that they're done well. Oh, excuse me, because you know it's hard to break that when we're in a Pacific setting that those cultural contexts don't exist. Mm. But no, there are definitely, it's very rare that it's done well. And it, that's why I'm struggling so hard yeah. to recall an experience yeah. because 
the hard part about you know all of these things um council related these big plans and policies is because they don't have us in mind when there's a cultural context applied it's hard to translate what it is that council wants and what it is that works for pacific people and how we speak um so it's hard man it really is thinking about those consultations where those intergenerational conversations need to happen because when council reaches out uh, for Pacific people, they're not just reaching out to older or younger, they're doing both. So they're reaching out to us as a whole. Uh, and when those consultations happen, it's just about inviting families to come along. And in those family settings, you know, do our kids ever get a chance to speak? Not really. Um, and that just continues in these consultations that are aimed at Pacific people. I mean, yeah, they do um, try and make it as friendly as possible for our young people to speak. Um, so much so that they've even started to remove and just start planning Pacifica youth um, specific consultations and started funding people. Um, like the people at the Course Collective. Um, shout out to Killian. Who's, who, um, shout out to Killian. Yeah, 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 man, because Killian is the man. And I'll you want him on here? Say it. I think Killian Look would at the be camera. gang. <laughs> Killian, if you're watching this, please... Or, you know, it's up to the team. But if you ever get approached, please do it. I think that guy would be mean on here. Um, but, you know, they've started to shoulder tap some people that they know do well in this youth space and say, hey, our Pacifica youth aren't being given the opportunity because they're attached to their parents or to their families. Because we also, as, you know, those big spaces acknowledge that Pacifica people work in communities and in families. So they're just targeting families and churches and communities. But we're saying, hey, no, we need to start doing something for our young people specifically. So people like Killian really stand out in those spaces and saying, hey, let's do something for our young people. Yeah, that's mm. cool, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, got any ideas in how we can create a safe space where our young Pacifica are heard in their, their families or their parents? Uh, you know, able to hear them at a, mm. at a level. And, the, you know, I'm quite, I'm saying this as like one with the hat of a youth record. It's easy for me to advocate for another mm. young person. But then as a parent, I'm back to the, hey, yeah. know your, <laughs> yeah, know your, know your <laughs> role. Know your role. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, oh, man, there are so, it's such a difficult thing because we're dealing with, um, bringing our cultural context to a land that isn't ours um, and then implementing it with other things that don't belong to us either. So there is a, a threefold challenge. How do we um, introduce cultural contexts uh, in a society um, that isn't culturally minded? How do we introduce our cultural lens into spaces that don't have one? Uh, and then how do we break the generational um, kind of responsibility between our parents and us and um, because even frameworks that are dedicated to Pacifica people are also set up to think about the family and the role that different people have to play in it so how do we break that and there is definitely some challenges out there I'm waiting for scholars to come out with something so that we can just you know tag it onto everything that we do um, <coughs> like all, all all councils do with the Treaty of Waitangi, but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm waiting for our version of something that you know strong and steadfast for us to be able to look to. Um, 
But no, in terms of ideas, it's just about including people in the Talanoa process. Mm. Because it's not, but it doesn't have to just be Matai to Matai. It doesn't have to be um, adult to adult. It can also be inclusive of our children, you know? And inclusive of our young people, inclusive of our women, which is also a very important thing. That's something, you know, we need to stop defaulting them to go and cook and clean and start bringing them in the room and saying, hey, your voice is equally as valid as the men in this room. Caroline, stop cleaning. Sorry. But how important is that, um, Damien? Like, I guess we're around the table, all the brothers are speaking, and we were mm. obviously we're talking about Talanoa, the frameworks, yeah. and being men and so forth. And we all, and people have different ideas in terms of, or interpretations of, of what a man should be or, or should look like. Mm. But and for you personally, as a young Pacific man mm. in this day and age, and you're working with a lot of young people, what is the end, oh, not the end game, but what's, what's the long term goal for you in terms of? Um, obviously you're working in council but what's the mm. long term goal for you as a young Pacific male in this in this uh, in this nation oh I don't know um, I mean to be you know to upgrade from Butter Beans before photo to his after photo would be pretty nice so I'm still working on that shout out to Butter Bean. I know he's been here before if you can uh, drop a few hints my way appreciate you <laughs> um but in terms of my place, I think it's just to keep that same serious optimism to different things that come my way um, and allowing myself to take all of this experience because it would be a waste if I didn't do anything with it and just applying mm. it to different spaces and learning from them. Mm. Bro, man. I just, I just, to be honest, straight up, Uso, yeah. I love your, your attitude. Thanks, man. As young as you are, mm. bro, you you just you're doing things mm. that uh, I, I you know I've, I don't know um, brothers if we can go back and think, man, shucks, you're doing some amazing things in terms of um, like I said early on, kind of breaking some of those molds. You, you're not afraid to speak. Uh, you challenge yourself, mm. uh, and I can imagine sometimes people might you know your your own values are challenged in these yep. in these council meetings for sure. Um, but uh, for you to get up and, and to share, and you're very, you're very eloquent. I love the way you, you, you speak and, and so forth, and you're very articulate. Mm. Um, but I think the biggest thing, the biggest learning I've, I've gained from tonight, or garnered from tonight, is that you have a heart for, you really have a heart for young people. Yeah. And it's um, there's no denying that. Mm. And so and when I ask that, that, the last question is because I'm thinking, is it youth, is youth we're going to be, or the, the young people are going to be something that you're going to re- represent for, for, for years to come? Or right. is there something uh, outside, like, I don't know, maybe politics or maybe something mm. that you're kind of thinking, oh, maybe this is the next chapter for me? Yeah, no, mm. I'm definitely looking um, away from the youth space because I think it's also important that we can't keep the same people here forever. I think that's politics' big problem is that we have the same counsellor that my mum had in the same time frame that I'm alive and it's been however many years. Um, so it's important to know when to put an end on things and start something new. Um, so for me, I'm kind of looking at public health next. Definitely something to look into. Um, don't know in what capacity yet, but um, I think there is an opportunity for me to find find something there. Cool. Is there, is there a reason why? Um, oh, I, I think it has the same opportunities that youth space has in terms of there are conversations that need to be had. Um, with people that haven't been talked to enough or about before. Um, and I think COVID was kind of the onus for where that um, 
desire came from, but uh, just seeing where it is that I can insert myself and move that community development mind and all of that background into um, the developing public health sector and its community kind of space that um, is popping up with places like Levi and, um, and Beta Drive and all of the outreach stuff and seeing where I can fit myself in that space. Yeah, kudos, mm. Marlo, Marlo, kudos. Man, exciting things are just... You know, when you meet someone, you get to know them, and then even, you know, we've just had this conversation um, not even that long, and just hearing, you can almost see the potential for you, and I just, it makes me really excited for what's to come um, in the next chapters. Um, and I just want to acknowledge you for all that you've done and just being able to break down some of these things that, like, were legit questions where life moves so fast sometimes, you don't have yeah. time to question. And so, yep. to, like, I'm really grateful to be able to sit down and, like, fire some of these questions through and, mm. and, and just hear it spoken so eloquently. Um, because I think often a lot of the battles we have to face, they're paradoxical in nature. Yeah. Like you, someone has to start something, like yeah. you, you just have to sort of be first. Mm. Um, it's just really cool to see that exemplified in the work that you've done Thanks. and for sure the work that's still to come. So I just wanted to give you props for that, man. I'm, I'm hey, honestly man. so grateful. Oh, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm really encouraged by... The Talunor one mm. because you never folded like in terms of the questions <laughs> it, it was coming you know and yeah. it was because it's the the perspective um, mm. quite different and we can hear the progressive change in mm. terms of this advocacy for for change and yeah. for the next generation you never folded and and you kept your cool too because it could have easily been. Oh, these Andrew tech lovers. <laughs> 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 is there something that you wanted to say to the cameras? Is that, is that why? You know? <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so shout also. And you really, um, you sort of uh, affirmed something that Ephesus said in terms of uh, paving the way and yeah. knowing <laughs> when to get out of the way for yeah. the next one to come. And Absolutely. You're only 25, bro. You're only 25, so seasoned, and and you're able to uh, have the self-assessment and mm. and and know where you sort of want it, where to go, yeah. and it's encouraging, bro. And like I, I look forward to seeing your journey unfold, mm. and hopefully uh, God puts the right people around you to really um, continue to push you into a place where you're the spearhead and. Mm. And that one day, one day we have a brown representative, um, not because they're brown for the sake of mm. having someone there that's brown, but someone that really knows what the community needs, someone that can be the voice for the vulnerable and the minority. And mm. so, yeah, it's good. So it's cool to meet you. Yeah, um, I look forward to bumping into you and hopefully... Um, yeah, you didn't comment on any of the stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's address that. Let's make up a TikTok clip. I dare people to comment on this episode. Ooh. I will be in every comment, either liking it, reacting to it, or commenting in response to it. So please, I encourage you to challenge everything that we've said here tonight and continue to challenge me. Um, 
But I've also mentioned as a preface to P and to J that if I start losing an argument, I will be tagging your families. So make sure that your account is on private or I'm going to at your mum and find her profile photo and put it in the comments as well. Um, Let's go. But, you know, I'm just grateful for an opportunity, you know. And we've mentioned it many times tonight that there is a lack of conversations that happen between people. And for there to be a space... Um, not only for you know me but for other people to come in and and just share you know it's it's far too there are so many cool people that exist in our city and within our own networks that we don't get a chance to just sit down and what are you about you know and it's very 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 rare that we get a space to do that so thank you for having me on Bro, bro, man, mad props to you, man. And you, you talk about being very rare. It's very rare nowadays for, yeah. for men like yourself. I think in terms of as young as you are, and I'm not just talking about Pacific Islander, but it's really encouraging like what the brothers were saying. It's really encouraging and it gives us hope in, in terms of in, in mm. us in good stead that there are young men like yourself to, uh, you know, just uh, astute and really um, doing breaking breaking molds and, and, and making um, making waves. Mm. And so um, kudos to you, also all props to you and all the best for your endeavors. Um, and just, yeah, all the best, man. Mm. So much, thank you so much for your insights. But also, every guest that comes on, bro, we always give them a, 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 a oh, sketch, no a, a, a caricature. And so once again, um, you know, this is on behalf of the mandate team. Thank you so much, Mosul. Yo, I will show the camera, but this is mine, so it was a gift for me. Um, I gave you my words of knowledge as your gift, so this one is for me. Thank you, thank you, team. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, but um, David, is, is is anyone off the top of your head that you think that could be um, ideal to come on? I know you, you, I know you caught up Killian, but is there anyone else? Um, so Killian, number one. Um, I think number two, there are three people that come to mind. The Sokai brothers, um, so Zechariah, oh, Eric, ooh. and Dietrich, either one of them, because they're all educators, um, they're all poets, they're all artists in their own right, and they all have their own avenue for how they um, express themselves. Uh, and I think they will be great in a platform like this because their whole premise is to have conversations with people. So, yeah, if I had to pick four people, um, Killian number one, um, because of all the work that he's done out in Mangere Otahu, so shout out to him um, and then to any of the Sokai brothers. Um, yeah. yeah, awesome. And then, uh, as usual, the, the, the last word is, is on you, bro. Any words of encouragement for our men? Um, yes, if there is anything that I want people to leave uh, this episode with, is that to remember that there is power in conversation. Um, the most impact that we have as a people on the most... Um, influence that we learn from others is in the conversations that we have and the way that they make us feel and we don't always remember what was said but we remember how people made us feel in those conversations and those aren't always the ones in the table they're the ones you know that happen in the car ride that happen at the mcdonald's at 3 a.m they happen at Lord abner's um after the drinks it's all of those those conversations that we want to um hold on to and have so if there's anything that i want our brothers to remember is to have a conversation yeah, awesome especially when the cameras are off as well so yeah yeah awesome so guys please like subscribe and comment we look forward to yeah. your, your well throw our comments and um yes be be aware that um damien is, is true to his word yeah. he will go after you until yeah the end of you and your mom <laughs> you ready for your mom to get roasted g comment below yeah and i don't need to do it i won't send a car i'll see you on a pit ride awesome <laughs> thank you once again damien and as usual brothers Rafai, unlock and take, take charge. charge.
mandate.